But I want to jump right into the message. I, I've got quite a bit to cover and I don't want to waste time and I want to be mindful of the time tonight. And so we're going to, we're going to answer the question, why Christian education? Uh, when I first became pastor a couple of years ago, it almost seems like yesterday to me, um, I preached uh, a, a form of this message because God had instilled on my heart a vision uh, to have a thriving Christian academy. And I wanted to explain to the church clearly why I thought that was necessary and why I thought it was a priority. Uh, should you know of anyone that, that would benefit from this sermon and, and is not here for whatever reason, I hope you'll point him to our, our website, our YouTube or podcast, and maybe this will be a help and a blessing um, to them. Um, but I, I want to repeat this message because uh, I feel like we're at another critical time. Um, in our academy, and definitely taking steps forward. And I just want to remind our church and, and hopefully appeal to, to those young parents um, in our congregation um, as to why I think Christian education should be considered and prayed about. As I mentioned last week, I, I think when it comes to uh, whether or not we send our kid to a Christian academy, uh, it shouldn't be, yeah, I'll do it if God tells me I should. It should be, I'm going to do it unless God tells me I shouldn't. And I think that ought to be the posture toward Christian education. Um, That's how much I'm convinced it's a viable alternative. Um, I want to make some preface statements. Would you let me do that? I think one of the goals of pastors ought to be not so much I want to be understood. I don't want to be misunderstood. And so I want to be really clear because I know that, that, that in a lot of cases... Um, this could come across incredibly biased and, and I want to make sure that you understand my heart tonight as I'm speaking about this topic. Um, first of all, this is, this is more of a pastoral address tonight. Okay. This, this isn't an expositional message. It's not meant to be an expositional message. Um, this is just, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a business meeting approach tonight. I want to explain to you why we do what we do in a certain ministry and sometimes Sometimes it's appropriate to use the pulpit for things like that when, it, when, it, when it's talking about the next generation and something so important as propagating the faith to them. Um, so I want you to know that this is my approach tonight on purpose. And I don't want to pretend like this is anchored in a text of Scripture. Um, there are three choices we all have when it comes to how we educate our children. There's Christian education through a private school or charter school. There's home education, and I'm thankful to say we have a, a several members of our church that utilize that means of education. I'm thankful, very, very thankful for, for that. It's, that's a form of Christian education, by the way, home education, and I support that if that's what God's called the family to. We actually even invite uh, those students in our church that are homeschooled, we invite them to take part in our extracurricular activities at our academy, and we encourage them. Uh, to take part in that. And we want to include them in that if they can do that. But then there's public education as well. I believe the choice for education, I just want to be clear, is to be left completely up to the parents, not the pastor and not the church. This message is, is not about trying to usurp your authority in your home. Having a Christian academy in our church is not something I do Based on a clear scriptural mandate telling me I have to. Okay, I want to be clear on that. Meaning if, if another church doesn't offer Christian education, that's okay. 
for some reason we stopped offering Christian education, well, that would be okay as well, according to scripture. Something I'm convinced about in scripture, though, is that parents are to give their children the best chance to have a heart for the Lord. That's un, that's unarguable. As a pastor, I need to do the same thing through our church. I need to think of ways that our church can come alongside the home and give the next generation the best chance to love Jesus. I believe a Christian school ministry does just that. I would hope that every Christian parent in here shares that same conviction that the Bible calls upon you to give your child the best chance to have a heart for God. Yet the means of daily academic education you choose To help you accomplish that is not for me as your pastor or for this church to choose for you. You have the Christian liberty in the bounds of scripture to choose Christian education, home education, or public education. That's where I stand on that matter. You have my promise. These are all preface statements, but important. You have my promise that should you choose a different means of educating your child than our academies, you won't be treated any different at this church. You won't be robbed of any opportunities for service or leadership in our church. And your kids won't be treated any different or loved any less either. But that doesn't mean that I'll remain silent about our Christian academy in fear that I'll offend someone who doesn't choose to utilize it for their family. FBA is a ministry of our church. The largest ministry at that, therefore it's a ministry that will have my involvement, my energy, my leadership, and my vocal support. I also want to promise my support for every one of our public school teachers. When you hear this message on Christian education, this is not throwing shade on you as a public school teacher. I know that there are many, if not all, public school teachers as members of our church who are very burdened about the public education. Many of them, if we could pay them what the government pays them, would probably be employed by Fellowship Baptist Academy. And if you send your kids to our school, we're going to get there one day. When it comes to public education, I don't believe Christian teachers are part of the problem. I believe they're part of the solution. So as a church, I commit, even though we have an academy here, we're going to continue to reach public school students and love public school students. We're going to continue to show liberal love to public school teachers, coaches, and administration. We're going to continue to have a Teacher's Appreciation Day where we encourage, give, and pray for public school teachers. And we'll continue to allow our school district to utilize our facilities as they'll do this August and they do every year. If you teach in a public school, you have a friend in this pastor and you have the support of this church. Those are some things I want to be extra clear on as I address the subject of education tonight. With all that being said, let's jump in. I'm going to address why we have a Christian academy, the benefits of it, and the risk of a non-Christian education. First, why do we have a Christian academy? Here's why. We have a Christian academy because God has given the home and the church a shared responsibility to propagate the faith to the next generation. It starts with the home. Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mom and dad, that's your job. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, this precedent is, is stated in the Old Testament. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou, mom and dad, shall teach them diligently unto thy children. Not passively, diligently. Here's what that looks like. You should talk of them when thou sittest in, the, in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. In other words, you should always be talking about the Bible to your kids. 
It ought, it, ought, it ought to be a cornerstone of your home. By God's design, the very heart of Israel's worship to the next generation began in the home, around the supper table, in the midst of daily chores, at bedtime. Any opportunity that parents could seize to talk to their children about God. One of the greatest problems facing America today is the tragic falling apart of the family. Millions of children don't have parents who consider, much less embrace, their responsibility to nurture, develop, train, and educate their children in the Lord. When it comes to education in our country, parents today often take very little to no responsibility in educating their child. They view that as the school's job, whether it be a public school or a private school. They just ship them off every day. Of course, the church and the school can and should play a vital role in helping raise children and educate children. But neither a church or a school can ever replace the responsibility of a parent to train up their child in the way they should go. Pastor Paul Chappell says the heart of the matter begins in the heart of the home. I I believe that. But the church is also called to train and teach the next generation. We come alongside mom and dad. Aren't you thankful for the church? Jesus made this clear in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Watch this now. Teaching them to observe. That's all generations. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. The church's teaching role is vital in the propagating of the truth to the next generation. And many churches, including ours, have established a Christian academy to help them fulfill this role on a daily basis. See, our academy serves as as a sort of teaching arm of the church and provides an education that is Bible-based and Christ-centered. Children in FBA uh, learn to see all areas of life through the lens of God's Word. For instance, they learn in science that God created them. And they're not here by accident. They don't just learn about the particles and elements of science but they're directed to marvel at the wisdom of God in creating these intricate systems. In history, economics, math, English, students learn to apply God's principles and see life through God's perspective. At FBA, the the Bible is weaved throughout our entire curriculum. Not to mention the regular Bible classes and weekly chapel services where our students are into the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And and that doesn't by any means weaken their academic experience. That strengthens their academic experience. Did you know this is how children were educated when when public education first came to be? The first elementary school supported by tax money was established in Boston in 1647, just five years after the Bay Colony was established. The Puritan community passed an ordinance that required at least one qualified teacher for every 50 householders and a grammar school in every town that had more than 100 families. And it put the Bible in the center of its curriculum, asserting, and I quote, one chief project of that old deluder Satan is to keep men from the knowledge of the scriptures. Now, that's a far cry from the public schools of this generation. We'll talk about that in a minute, but my point is that what Christian education offers is not just academic in nature. We offer a biblical worldview, which you won't find in the world. You'll find Christian teachers, praise God, but you won't find an entire biblical worldview weaved into their curriculum. I like how creative some of our teachers get in kind of weaving the Bible in sometimes, but they're not really allowed to. Sadly, 
Some don't think that's a big deal because they see academic knowledge and spiritual instruction as distinct and unrelated from one another. You go to school to learn math, you go to church to learn about the Bible. But I contend that the best framework through which to gain academic knowledge is a scriptural perspective. As John Weatherspoon, the first president of Princeton University says, cursed be all learning that is not subservient to the cross of Christ. The point is that through a Christian academy, a church can can disciple young hearts and teach Christ-centered academics. Where every facet of learning comes back to understanding and knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now imagine how good of a chance you give your child to have a heart for God, which should be your conviction, by the way. How good of a chance you give them to serve God long term when they get trained in God's word at home, they get trained in God's word at church, and then they're around a Bible-centric curriculum for 35 plus hours a week at school. That's a powerful combination. I believe our church, praise God, has reaped the results as you look around at all the FBA graduates still serving God in our church today. Serving God beyond our church at other churches to this day. It's not a fail-proof combination. We know that. It's not perfect. Many children have had the privilege of being raised in our church, graduate from our Christian school, but they make their own choice to walk away from what they were taught. We know that possibility exists and it's out there, but I don't believe it's normative here. That's why we have FBA, because God has given the home and the church a shared responsibility to propagate the faith to the next generation and having an academy helps us do that most effectively. Now, I want to spend a few minutes talking about one of the alternatives to Christian education, the most used form of education in our country, which is public education. What are the risks associated with public education? I think there are two that you need to consider. But before I give those, let me be clear. I know there are some public schools and some school districts that are better than others. Okay, I'm going to mention two risks, and I know that there are some some towns that have schools where the risk isn't as great as other towns or areas of the United States. And so I'm not ignorantly putting a blanket over every public school district and and being unfair. I don't I don't like over the blanket rules and laws like that that think everybody's the same. And so I'm not doing that. But but I can say this. There is an increased risk in every public school. To varying degrees, there's an increased risk. First, there's the moral risk of public education. Psalm 1 delivers one of the most incredible promises in the Bible. It it includes a a guaranteed, fruitful, and prosperous life. Look at these verses. You know them, but look at them. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of scorners, nor nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's why we teach a biblical worldview. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Those group of verses start with a word called blessed or blessed. That means happy, joyful. These verses emphasize that there's a connection between your relationships and your happiness. Your relationships and your prosperity, your success. Based on these verses, I would say that allowing your children close associations with daily influences from those who are ungodly or who scorn godly living pose a tremendous risk to their success. Spiritual success. Hear me. 
There's a greater threat to your child's success than a poor academic education. And that's a sinful environment. That's why Psalm 1-1 specifically warns against standing in the way of the ungodly. I think you'd agree that under the pretenses of diversity and tolerance, public schools of today generally expose children to ungodliness. Some have tried to censor it, but they're still there. And although there are some Christian teachers in the public schools who lend their influence to make a difference for good in children's lives. Come on, let's admit there's some non-Christian teachers, too. Many of which stand openly against Christian values. There are some who mock creation, the Bible, purity and godly living. Now, we know our kids are going to find that in the university. But they're finding that in high school now. I believe that putting a child in the public school, it isn't guaranteed, but it has the potential to be equivalent to directly placing him or her in the seat of the scornful. Where day after day, the possibility exists that their faith will be assaulted, challenged, and questioned, sometimes openly, but most of the time, subtly. And here's what I mean by that. In our public school district, they may not hear a teacher openly attack Christianity or Christian values, but many of their teachers, this is a fact, not a feeling, many of their teachers by way of their sinful lifestyle, and in some cases their openly homosexual lifestyles, will subtly influence your child when it comes to things like what the Bible teaches on morality and sexuality and marriage. Well, you're exaggerating. I promise I'm not exaggerating. I substitute taught there. I drove a bus there. I've announced football games there. I referee basketball there for 13 years. I'm really familiar with the halls of our school district. In fact, we have a, a young girl in our elementary school, FBA, because the last straw for her parents was when she brought a craft home that had a rainbow on it. And she wasn't taught that the rainbow was created by God as a promise from God. She was taught that the rainbow meant tolerance. And pride. And that was the last straw for them. That's in liberal Kansas at an elementary school. How can we nurture hearts and minds for God when at the same time we're exposing these young hearts and minds to over 30 hours per week of of sinful indoctrination, even if not by teaching, by example, by crafts? I know this isn't true in every class, it's not true of every teacher. There's some great ones out there. I've said that a number of times tonight. But the risk is certainly there. And it's more than a risk in a good handful of classrooms in our town. It's a reality. And I've got public school teachers amen to me right now because they know. Children in a Christian academy, let me say this, they will encounter sin. There's no bubble, sanctified bubble that, that they walk into at 310 West Pancake. There's cheating, lying, bullying, theft, and even more serious sins at times. Yet here's the difference. In a Christian academy, the sin is never promoted. It's never exemplified by a faculty member. And the sin is less tolerated than at a public school. See, a Christian school doesn't hire faculty that teach evolution. We won't do it. FBA will not hire a teacher that lives an unholy life outside of the classroom. We won't do it. We will not hire a teacher that practices homosexuality. We won't do it. We won't even hire one that tolerates it. We will not hire a coach that turns his eye to students drinking alcohol. 
or his athletes using drugs or cursing on the bus. And Tanner's been close at times, but he's not allowed to curse either. A Christian school doesn't use curriculum that helps young people discover their sexual orientation and then encourages them to be proud of their sin and tolerate other sinful lifestyles. This isn't even to mention the increased influence of sin through peers. Notice I said increased influence because even a Christian school has negative influences. But the difference is that in a Christian school, the pressure and the influences is minimized simply because of stricter rules and higher expectations for students' behaviors. I've talked to a number of public school teachers in our church who have sent their kids to our Christian school. I'm like, why are you doing this? You have an opportunity to teach them. And they tell me it's because of these very things. There's a moral risk. Then secondly, there's a philosophical risk of public education. There's this dangerous, though not always easily detected philosophy in public education called humanism. Humanism rejects God in the Bible. It encourages its followers to set their standards and lifestyles based on human reason and godless philosophies. It's the exact opposite of what they're going to hear in their youth department. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 warns of the dangers of worldly philosophies. Look at this. Beware. That means take a warning lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. The beliefs of humanism aren't, are directly opposite of the values of scripture. And I want to read you some basic tenets of humanism taken directly from the humanist manifesto. This is very serious stuff. They say, we affirm that moral values derive their source from human experience, needing no theological or ideological sanction. In other words, man can figure out how to live apart from God. Then they say, religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Humanism believes that man is a part of nature and that he has emerged as a result of a continuous process. Humanism asserts that the nature of the universe depicted by modern science makes unacceptable any supernatural or cosmic guarantees of human values. Religious humanism considers the complete realization of human personality to be the end of man's life and seeks its development and fulfillment in the here and now. I didn't make up that. They wrote their own rules. Those are the core values of some of those that have led our our public education system in the past and right now in the future or in the present. Charles Francis Potter, he was the former president of the National Educators Association. He came right out and said this, every American public school is a school of humanism. He just admitted it. As parents consider educational choices for their children, listen, they must take into account this subtle indoctrination of humanistic philosophy. Abraham Lincoln said this, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Even today, we're seeing Lincoln's prophecy fulfilled. A generation raised in the beliefs of globalism and free morals are electing government leaders with those same beliefs. When we determine that our public schools shouldn't allow prayer or promote the Ten Commandments or acknowledge God, you know what we did? We pulled out the foundation of success and blessing from under our children. And we ultimately undermined the very foundations of freedom. You've got to understand, parents, that humanism isn't often thrown straight in the faces of our students. It, it slowly creeps in their hearts and bends their thinking and beliefs away from God over the course of 13 years. Okay, when I think about these risks, the moral risks, the philosophical risks, you know what my mind goes to? 
how, how protective we often are of our kids. Like, like just the daily risk in life. Over the years, especially in the last two or three decades, would you agree that, that risk have increased in terms of our children's physical, mental, sexual, and spiritual safety? Would you agree with that? And wouldn't you agree that parents are different today than they were two or three decades ago? Yeah. That frustrates some people from the old generation. But what you've got to remember is that our world is actually worse in some ways. For instance, because drinking and driving is an increased risk today, we take an increased precautions by making sure our kids are buckled up and bubble wrapped every time they get in the car. That's opposed to the limited precautions we took back in the day when I rolled around on the floorboards on my way to vacation. Because of the increased risk of sex trafficking and rape and kidnapping, our precautions have increased, have they not? I just got them talking to a parent and they're like, I'm not even letting my kid go in a public bathroom by themselves anymore. <laughs> See, when I was little, I lived down south and I jumped on my bike and I rode my bike all the way to Oliver Brown Park up north by myself before middle school in elementary school and played six or seven hours of Sandlot baseball and didn't have a cell phone to check in and there's no pay phone at the park. And I came back before the sun came down. And you, you would be, you, you'd be crazy to think I'm sending Kevin from South Middle School to Oliver Brown Park and he didn't have to check in once during the day. Why? We, our, our, the risk have increased. And so our precautions have increased. Well, wouldn't you agree that the risk, the moral risk of public education is getting greater? Not better? Would you agree that the philosophies, well, even if they're not taught, they're exemplified? Would you agree that those are not getting better, they're getting worse? Then doesn't it make sense why your pastor has become a little more passionate about a Christian school? Because now I want, I want increased precautions for our kids. I do. And, and, and I just think that the Christian Academy is a really practical way of saying we see the world getting worse. And so the church is going to step it up. And parents, I hope you'll think about it like that. Let me end our time by talking about some of the benefits of FBA for a moment. Real practical. One of the benefits is, is that we have a fully Christian staff who all agree to the core beliefs of our church. They're faithful to church. They love the Lord. And they feel called the Christian education. Which is why they'll take a massive salary cut and live by faith to come and, and throw their lives into our kids and our students. And I am so thankful for the staff that God has assembled at Fellowship Baptist Academy. Does my heart good to see them using their gifts and talents to propagate the faith to the next generation. I'm so glad I don't have to worry about a single one of them teaching humanism. Or promoting anything that, that, that is unholy. And if they ever do, well, then they won't be teaching anymore. Another benefit of our academy, I think, is our clear mission. We strive to shape students' minds by, by pursuing academic excellence. And transform their hearts by instilling a biblical worldview. I want you to know we're doing everything we can as quick as we can to enhance every student's academic experience. Which is why we decided to update the curriculum. But we also want to instill a biblical worldview to the same degree. You won't find the words biblical worldview in any public school mission statement. 
It's just not in there. Another benefit is that we're in a growth mindset in, in, our, in our school. My vision is to see hundreds of families find and follow Jesus uh, through Little Learners Academy and Fellowship Baptist Academy. Are we okay over there? We're good? I'll just keep preaching and, and you guys try to listen, okay? I, I don't envision us being a small little Christian school. I don't envision us being that at all. Uh, I envision us being a viable, uh, respected, credible, private Christian school in our community that appeals to those inside and outside of our church. One of the ways we've scaled over the last two years is by starting Little Learners. Little Learners is a three-year-old preschool, four-year-old kinder prep class. And this is serving currently as a pipeline into FBA. And this coming year will be the first LLA graduates um, that enter into our K-5 program in FBA. So so right now we have 14 or 15, this is awesome, uh, K-5 students enrolled. And that's a little better than 50% retention from last year's 4K class. So so if, if we can do that every year, then we can experience a good rate of growth from children that have already been in our curriculum for two years. I think that's, that's a great prospect there. Another reason I'm excited about FBA more than ever before is because I, I think we're working towards some really positive changes that'll make us uh, even a more viable alternative to public education in our community, like, like a curriculum change. This is huge. We're, we're, we're shaping our classrooms to be more traditional in nature, where kids learn as a group and, and they learn the same thing and they study together. And I love that. Um, that there's an updated uh, communication software. And you might think, well, what, what, like public schools have been doing that forever. Yeah, but we've never been able to afford it. And, and now we're, we're, ju- we're just being more proactive and, and, and now we're going to be more professional. And now we're shooting for more excellence in our communication. And so everything is done digitally and online. And, and that's going to, I think, be more effective and, and just look more credible. Uh, there's additional teachers that we've hired and there's more regular professional development of our teachers. In fact, we're starting tomorrow. We're having a four, four days worth of training for our teachers. Um, we're going to start a PTA, a, a parent teacher association. Uh, and if, if you're a parent of, of a kid in our school and, and you want to offer constructive feedback, um, then this is, this is something for you to get involved in. Uh, this is where we can hear from our, our, our parents on a regular basis. Um, not this semester, but next semester, we're going to start a Falcon Booster Club for our athletic programs. Another thing for our church people to get involved in. Um, we've got so many updated policies and procedures that I think offer a more professional and safer experience for our students and parents. And none of these changes can be perfected overnight. We understand that. We're going to run in some snags. We're going to make some mistakes. But we're trying to make good adjustments as we go. To be honest with you, I'm praying every day for a measure of courage to make changes that are necessary when they're necessary. But you know what I'm also praying for? Humility to change my mind should those changes not be best. Because I'm human and our administration is human, we're certainly going to get it wrong from time to time. But know this, we are working aggressively to develop a culture of excellence, even if it means we risk failure while we do it. I'm also really excited that we're starting the process this year of becoming a fully accredited school. There's a few benefits to this being being accredited. It makes our academy more marketable and credible to parents, especially on the outside. It brings a measure of accountability and expectation as far as academics are concerned. 
I believe it qualifies us to receive various grants. If our state decides to offer vouchers for religious education like some states already have, we'd be in a position at that point to receive those if we're accredited. Speaking of finances, I'm very excited that we're able to give away and award $10,000 worth of scholarships this year. Probably the, the, the biggest holdup for folks when it comes to sending their child to our school is the finances. I'm thankful we're able to offer a little bit of help to those who took advantage of that opportunity. And that's already on top of being incredibly affordable compared to other private Christian schools. Periton, Texas has a growing Christian school with a waiting list and they charge twice what we charge per month. To give you an idea, we currently only charge 50% of what it costs us to educate a student. So we're not overcharging. The federal government pays out an average of $16,000 per student. Stay, stay with me, would you? I'm saying some important stuff. I know a lot's going on, um, but, but stay with me if you would. The federal government pays out an average of $16,000 per student per year to educate them. Do you know that? We charge about $3,000 per year. We also offer multiple child discounts where each additional child in the family that's enrolled gets an extra 10% off their monthly bill. I'm just saying we're doing everything we can to make it affordable and fair as compared to what it costs us. But here's the truth. I want to speak to you as your pastor tonight. We pay for what we prioritize. And if you prioritize your child getting a biblical worldview through Christian education, and you don't have to, but if you do, here's what you'll do. You'll make the sacrifices necessary to pay what you have to pay to afford them that opportunity. See, I'm learning, at least in my own life, that it's often not about an inability to afford something like Christian education as much as it is not being able to afford something plus maintain my current lifestyle at the same time. Yeah. So when you say, I can't afford Christian education, but we're going out to eat four times a week. Well, I think you can. What you have to understand is that Christian education is an investment in your child's life. It will require some type of tangible sacrifice. It'll cost you at the front end, just like any investment does. But given enough time, your investment will compound and yield an incredible return by God's grace. You know how much we charge per month to attend our academy? $225. Sounds like a lot of money to some. Yet I find it very, very interesting that families will pay well over that per week to get their child basic daycare. The average daycare is running $30 per day. FBA is charging $11 per day. The average daycare is charging over $200 per week. FBA is charging $50 per week, $56 per week. The average daycare is charging over $600 per month. FBA is charging $225 a month. A family will pay six dollars or $7,000 per year for one kid to get babysat. But when their child turns five, they all of a sudden lost that money. In some ways, our society has conditioned us to believe that daycare should cost money, but education should be free. Ultimately, church, it comes down to the heart of your child. And there's no way to put a price tag on a child's heart or their mind. There's no way to calculate in dollars and cents the value of a young person who's doing the will of God from the heart. You might not be as comfortable financially for 13 years if you send your kids to the Christian Academy. But it's 13 years, folks. 13 years. If you live till you're 80, that's not very much. That's why I can say with confidence tonight that Christian education, it doesn't cost, it pays. It's an investment into eternity. See, in my mind's eye, and I'm done, I, I'm seeing down the road 13 years to where this first group of little learners who are now going into kindergarten 
will graduate high school. I'm seeing young boys and young girls that over the course of 13 years are going to get hours upon hours of godly influence from teachers that love the Lord. They're going to get biblical teaching and preaching week after week for years. And my heart is by that time they they get to 12th grade and they have both an academic and biblical foundation to become successful and spiritual adults in Fellowship Baptist Church and beyond. It's not just them, it's the four-year-olds coming behind them. And it's the three-year-olds coming behind them. If our church families will buy in, and at least some of our community will buy in, we will see Fellowship Baptist Academy become the private Christian school that I believe our community has needed for a very long time. And I believe our church will start to yield a harvest of young souls that are one and discipled for Christ for years to come. We'll be able to help hundreds of students and their families find and follow Jesus through this ministry. But frankly, listen, it starts with the families inside these four walls. We need you. I'm praying that the Lord through his Holy Spirit would work on the hearts of families within Fellowship Baptist Church, no matter what age your kids are. To become highly invested in partnering with us to raise the next generation for Christ through Christian education. For some reason, you're past the time frame of sending kids to school. Can I just challenge you to consider giving on a regular basis to our school ministry? You heard me say that our students only pay for half of what it costs us to educate a child. That's why we have a school section on the offering envelope. Maybe if you've benefited from FBA yourself. Or, or, or if you're impressed by what you're seeing. Or if you share the burden of needing to equip young people with a biblical worldview before you send them out into the world. I hope you'll consider giving toward this ministry. Helping us train the next generation of young people. And to close tonight, I, I want to do something just a little bit different. Because, you know, like, what kind of invitation do you have, you know, after this? Anybody who's not enrolled in Christian education, get your rear end down here and keep on your clothes when you do it, right? It's not that. I, I, I just, I, I think you get a sense that it's just a little bit of a pastoral talk tonight. And just things I wrote down and I, I basically wanted to read to you. But they're straight from my heart. I believe the Lord has the greatest days ahead of us in Fellowship Baptist Academy. And they're not going to be easy. It'll be very difficult for a while as we transition, and as, as we make some adjustments. I, I just so much want, want the, default, the default posture of every church member to be, you know what, I'm going to pray about that. I, I want that to be the default posture. Not, not the, the final resort. Yeah, if my kid doesn't make it out there, I might consider it. I don't want that. I really believe that, that if a church is offering a Christian education, it's worth your time in prayer to say, man, could this really benefit the heart and mind and future of my child? God, give me wisdom for what you want us to do with my son, with my daughter. And be open-eyed about it, open-minded about it, open-hearted about it. And, and, and don't be caught off guard. Don't be caught off guard. If when they turn 18 and they're really confused about some worldview stuff, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. Because the school system gets them a lot longer than you get them during the day. And so the church can't come and rescue an 18-year-old that's really confused about sexuality when we haven't had any time with them. During the day. That's a really hard case. 
I think you give your child the best chance by offering a Christian education, whether that be at home or in our academy or a mixture of both. And, and so I hope you'll, you'll take that to heart and understand I love you genuinely, genuinely. Don't think any different of you for following the Lord for your family. That's what I want.